My name is Ian Clark. I'm a professor in the Department of Earth Sciences at the University of Ottawa. And one of our principal tools is uh, the use of geochemistry and isotopes. Now this is a radioisotope mass spectrometry. Radioisotopes are present in the environment but at very exceedingly low concentrations. Measuring these guys is a huge challenge. Let's take the example of carbon. Radiocarbon is produced in the atmosphere, goes into trees for photosynthesis, becomes part of our food, becomes part of wood, becomes part of any organic material. When that material dies, chopped down a tree, or when a woolly mammoth dies, that radiocarbon starts to decay. We do a calculation to see how long it's been decaying for. That gives us time, that gives us age. And that's the whole principle of radiocarbon dating. The beauty of an AMS is we can do that with a microgram or a milligram of carbon instead of a handful of material. So consider the Shroud of Turin, which is the famous example. You know, you want to do the date two or three times, you do the date once and you say, well, have you got another shroud we can date? Oh, sorry. <laughs> we can do that with a tiny fiber. We can now trace carbon in the Arctic or, or, or carbon in people. You know, we can use carbon as in, in, in medications to see where your body's taking it up because we can measure these very, very low concentrations. Contaminated environments are going to be big in this, in this area of research that I'm talking about, especially if you're an oil company. I've dealt with lots of issues with contaminants or seemingly contaminated groundwater, and everybody stands back and says, well, it's not mine. It didn't come from me. It's not out of my product. It's not out of my emissions. If we can demonstrate that spills from, from pipelines, leakages, uh, from underground storage tanks, things like this, if we can say that it's better to leave them in the ground because they're taking care of themselves, they're degrading, they're, they're uh, turning back to CO2, uh, plants can uptake that CO2 or whatever, but it's a natural, ongoing, active process. And if we can calculate even better the timeline until that plume is gone, well, that's a far better solution than to be going in with backhoes and digging it up and carting it off to another landfill site and let it sit over there on the surface of the land. Why would we, the cost, the impact on the environment, we're just taking our contaminant from one site to another. So why not leave it in the ground? Well, we have to demonstrate that we're not just leaving it in the ground to seep away to water supplies. We have to demonstrate that we're leaving it in the ground to degrade. One industry that we're working with is the nuclear industry. Uh, we're looking for a place to store nuclear waste, bury nuclear waste, and it'll be in a deep geological horizon. And uh, we have to be assured that the rock material, the formations that we want to bury this waste in, is secure. And by secure, I mean that groundwater is not flowing through and, and dissolving these nuclides from the repository after a thousand years or ten thousand years and bringing this up to the surface. So we have to look at those geological materials and, and ask the question, how old are these waters? How long have they been in here? Are they stagnant? Are they immobile? And we can answer those questions with this machine.